Hope everybody is having a good Tuesday. Crawling into the week. Got to crawl slowly. Otherwise, you will burst into flame. You will melt and you might die. Please be careful out there. I talked to our guy Bucky Godbolt earlier today. Shout out to Bucky on vacation this week. He's headed out to the golf course. He said they're getting started. Sorry, already got started around 11. But that means that round goes 12, 1, 2. Yeah, it's going to be hot. 107, I believe, is what I saw on one measurement. So please be careful out there. Stay cool. It is Chad and Zay on a Tuesday. Zay continues his honeymoon. I'm Chad Hastings. And joining me once again, the one and the only, maybe the only other person in this building that looks as badass as I do with very little hair, Cameron Parker. What's up, Cam? Chad, thank you for the intro. I appreciate that. Man, let's do it, baby. I'm glad to be back with you here on this Tuesday. Now, you go go all the way bald, like when you you shave it all the way down? I I use just like a regular razor. I don't have it down to like Jeff Howe. Jeff Howe has it like perfectly shining scalp. Now, I got to get what he has because the – what what I'm using is just it's not doing the Jeff Howe because that that's the good that's the look I'm looking for. Yeah right. By the way, do I need to move this camera? It doesn't appear to be pointed on me. Was that purposeful for Jeff Howe? Uh, probably. Is uh, that right? We'll, we'll get it set up in the break. Next break for the for those who are on Twitch. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a bit of an adjustment. That feels like the eye is looking right at me. So we'll try that. All right, because uh, we are you know highly technical YouTube channel and Twitch and. All of that. Thank you. By the way, we are over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. If I haven't mentioned that, youtube.com slash at the Horn Austin. Well done. Well done to all of you great listeners, fans, contributors, and now subscribers on the YouTube channel. Go there and subscribe because that way you will not miss anything, no matter what time of year it is, no matter if we're right in the middle of football season or if we are in this time of year, which is now, after last night, you could argue officially the dead zone of sports. If you're a college baseball freak, now that's done, and we head into the lead-up to football. But, hey, we get you the countdown. We take you with us all the way. We're 67 days away from Texas and Rice and Woo! all the other big games on September 2nd. Are you kidding me? I told you yesterday, Dion's going to Fort Worth on September 2nd, 67 days away. NFL freaks, you're 72 days away from your first game. Chiefs and Lions on a Thursday night. And if you're a Cowboy fan, a Texans fan, you want to see, well, if you want to see Aaron Rodgers in New York, it's going to be one day past this, 75 days till the first big Sunday. First big Sunday NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV. Hello, 2023. That's only 75 days away. So don't worry. We'll get there. Just like I said, let's do make sure we're doing it slowly. Make sure we keep ourselves hydrated. So uh, great to have Cameron Parker here again. And we're going to start with a little College World Series. Going to get a topic thrown out to you as well. We are also going to get a couple guests to you. First up, it's going to be Hank South from Horns247.com. Hear great things about Hank. Apparently a local product, Hank South, 
a Westlake guy. Oh, of I'm course. Told. Oh, my Low goodness. West. Well, that's, there's no need to go into it like that. I mean, come on. Oh, I'm sure Hank's a good guy. Uh, apparently, uh, he's doing a great job with recruiting. And, of course, the Longhorns are doing a nice job there. So we'll get his breakdown on where the Longhorns are right now in the 24 class and talk some Jarrett Gibson, talk some Nate Kibble and others, and maybe what he's hearing about Mr. Simmons from Duncanville and some other big recruiting stuff. Uh, but we will start with those Tigers, and then I'll throw out a little question for everybody, but the LSU Tigers did get the win last night. Wow, Cameron, we talked yesterday. Uh, I was off on the score, but I said, you know, if you don't start skeins, what if it's like 8 nothing in the third? What if it's something like that? Well, it was about 9-2 to two, uh, by the time they got to that area, and LSU just turns it around on Florida, took that 24-4, to four, ate that thing, and then just regurgitated an 18-4 to four the other way. LSU wins it all. I was curious how LSU would respond after losing by 20 runs the night before. Didn't matter. They oh. came out, they scored 18, they won by 14, absolutely dominated Chad. Talked with Aaron Hogan on the beginning of Light the Tower. You know, we talked about Paul Skeens, right? Like you, you got to put him in. He's your best player. He's your best pitcher. He's going to go number one in the draft. Didn't matter because you know what? This uh, Thatcher Hurd guy, he's also pretty good from oh, UCLA. Six strong. That was impressive. After that two-run homer by, I believe, Ty Davis, who set a men's college World Series record with five dingers this week, mm. he retired 18 of the next 21 batters. He, he went smooth sailing, and Florida just, they ran out of gas. LSU offensively, they caught fire. How about Dylan Cruz batting? 426 this season, Chad. In his three years at LSU, his worst batting average, I believe, 349. Wow, that's the floor? That's the floor at LSU. And he was a guy, Coach Johnson came in, and he took this job because he knew he had to rebuild, but he knew Dylan Cruz was there. He could build around him, and, well, he sure did. He went out, and he, can, he got Paul Skeens, the best pitcher, Tommy White, possibly the best actual slugger in college baseball in Thatcher Hurd, the UCLA pitcher who got the win last night. So we saw, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday on the show about, you know, how should David Pierce, you know, kind of balance building his roster. Well, LSU, the defending national champion, Dylan Cruz is their best player, but you can make an argument two, three, and four, possibly. At least their top two pitchers all from the transfer portal. Yeah, that's a great point, and then that's what you got to do now in, in a lot of different sports. We'll probably be talking about that today and beyond, about how you you got to adjust to stuff, and, and obviously Coach Johnson did. That's his second year, right, at LSU? Yeah, I believe so. And remember, he's so he wouldn't be the guy that had won those, a lot of those other titles. Um, that guy was in the stands yeah. last night. What's my man's name? The old guy? Uh, it's, um, uh, it's not Monahan. It's like uh, they showed him last night, and I always forget his name. Y'all are going to help me. LSU fans, I'm sorry. Um. Uh, anyway, but he was there last night. Jade. Nope. 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 Watching, watching his guy. Skip Berman. Skip Berman. You'll find. Well, that's true. Berman was way back. And oh, you're, talking, you're talking about the the one that in '09 and then the, Texas that guy. And okay. then there's a guy in the middle there too. Yeah, that's he was there last night. Sorry, Berman was not. Uh, yeah, Berman would have been the way back. Uh, he was also there last night as well. And he's there last night too. So, uh, yeah, they had all the dignitaries there, and building it through the the transfer portal is impressive. Paul Maneri. Maneri, thank you very much. Uh, so you mentioned Dylan Cruz. 
the numbers are incredible. First off, let's give Coach Johnson a credit for not only making the right move with Skeens, hold him back, wait and see how your guy does, uh, the starter, and he's great, and your bats wake up. He took Cade Beloso and put him in the leadoff spot. And you're thinking, wow, that's interesting. Beloso's like a bigger dude, more of a slugger type. But they pointed out, well, he's good against left-handers. He's got good numbers. Beloso goes two for five, scores a run, drives in two. Cruz, four for six, three runs scored and drove in one. And Tommy White tanks, four for seven, two runs scored, three RBIs. And there were two other LSU batters last night that had three hits or more. They were on fire. Plus, Cameron, for people who don't know, Dylan Cruz won the basically the Heisman of college baseball, yep. the Golden Spikes Award. Did you see the sequence last night where he caught the ball at the wall and going in on two consecutive pitches? Bad man. For, he goes, has to go all the way to the wall, find himself on the warning track. Sun's bashing him in the face. He makes that catch, crashes into the wall, falls on the ground, stands up, throws the ball in, dusts himself off, and the next pitch – is a hard, not, not even really a hard shot, it's a, a short pop-up. So he's got to run in, deal with the sun, then he realizes, oh my God, I don't have to go this far. Reaches kind of, not over his head, but reaches up real straight, catches it like it's no big deal, almost does like a one-footed kind of pirouette, throws the ball in, and one of his teammates, the probably the right fielder, looks over at him like, really, dude? Is that what we're doing? Excuse me, yeah. Just incredible. That's why he's going to be possibly the number two pick in this year's draft. Went yeah. up on July 9th. And you know, we talked about Paul Skeens. You know, Samford was in a similar position with Quinn Matthews right after his 150 pitch outing against Texas. In that second game, Stanford, they put Quinn Matthews back on the mound, did not have his stuff. He only he only made it, I believe, five innings. You know, it, it was still he went to the five, but it wasn't the five innings he did against Texas, right? Where mm-hmm. Tennessee got to him, gave up, I believe, four earned runs in that contest. You know, it was a do-or-die win game, much like LSU last night, right? You you could have put Paul Skeens out there. I don't think we would have we we would have been negative about it. But the opportunity is, hey, we have Thatcher Hur who's a little bit more fresher. Even though Skeens is probably the better pitcher, he has pitched a lot this past week, and I thought Johnson did a great job of managing the bullpen and ultimately putting Hurd out there was probably the right call, even though we wanted to see Paul Skeens last night. Yeah, and then on the opposite side of it, Florida just did not get the pitching that they needed. No. Was, uh, the, then, and the announcers, and credit to, to Peterson, man, uh, Kyle knows Moe's baseball very well. Uh, when Caglione's out there, he says, hey, he can be really, really good, but he can also go bad yeah. fast. And he did. One and a third. And then the guy you put in can only go one and a third. And they gave up so much that they just had to, you know, exhaust a lot of their pitching. Uh, LSU obviously did not. So LSU gets the win. The fans were unbelievable. The final tally on Jello shots was 64,000 plus. So some, you know, our, one of our listeners did the math the other day. I was like, wait, 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 Chad, you said they're $5 a piece, right? So that's, and at that point, whatever the number was. But I did the quick math today. It's over three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, I think that's what a text or text in like this that? morning was three hundred over three hundred twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, you got. I heard y'all pointing it out. Or I heard you. I heard the morning guys pointing it out today that the guy who started raising canes, who's an LSU guy, mm-hmm. apparently he walked in there and got like a thousand of them, six thousand of them. Six, yeah, six thousand. So he spent like thirty grand or what? No, whatever the number would be. Um, maybe he got a thousand. Something like that. But he walked in and, and you know, he, he bought a lot, but that doesn't explain 64000 
La- apparently last year, old Mrs. Crew walked out at 18,000 yeah. and thought they were badass. They're like, oh, mm. hotty toddy, look what we just did. And LSU was like, yeah, hold our jello shot Literally. cup. Get ready, Re- Rebels, because we are about to put you in the dust. And, and second for this year's jello shot total was TCU with 8,000. 8,000. Hell of an effort. I mean, hell of an effort from the from from the college kids, from the religious college kids. I always say, watch out, those religious college kids. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they drink more. Sometimes they've got a little bit more reason to hit that drink than uh, maybe some of the other kids do. They've been, uh, you know, they've been repressed a long time. It, it seemed like LSU had a great showing. It felt like every time ESPN showed the crowd, all you saw was that golden purple. I mean, there were some Florida fans there, but I felt like even just listening that it was mostly, yeah, it was almost an LSU home game. So it makes sense. The sixty thousand for five dollars, though. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Okay, if, I mean, I'm not a big Jello shot guy. I I don't like the texture and, and the now, taste. Now, first off, I need to know for five bucks. I need to know. I need to make sure we're going full blast Jello shot. Yeah. What's the alcohol? Because when I was growing up, starting to get into the drinking world, the je- when you said Jello shot. It was Everclear. Ugh. Now, uh, are we doing Everclear Jello shots? Or are we doing just like generic? Like, what is it? Is it vodka? Is it rum? Is it, what are you doing in your Jello shot? And how strong is it? Is it Bacardi 151? That's a Jello shot. If e- to me, Everclear was always the ultimate. We used to go down to Sixth Street, and there were like quarter Jello shots at this one God. place on a Wednesday or whatever it was, and that's how we'd get started because it was so cheap. But it was Everclear Jello shots. Considering how much they sell, you got to think about how much they're buying at the actual bar. It's probably something cheap, like Everclear, possibly like maybe like some Burnett's, you know, something something not high quality. Type. Right, quality is not what I'm looking for in a Jello shot. No, I, I don't, I'm think, for I don't think the sixty thousand people that did it. Were, right, strength is what I need. Yeah. That's why the Everclear is a good call in a Jello shot. Because if you're gonna go, just go. Don't you don't need to get snooty with a Jello shot. Yeah, at that point, you're not even you're not doing it for the, the well. I mean, you're doing shots, you're not even doing it for the taste anyway. Yeah, that's true. Good point. That's a good point. Uh, says uh, pretty sure that guy bought thirty thousand shots. Oh, okay, the Canes guy. The Canes guy. Thirty thousand. Good grief, that's a lot. Yeah, that that's a ton. Um, that is unbelievable. Yeah, see, I agree with Chad. What's the octane of the Jello shot? Right. If I'm gonna go, I need to find out. Uh, a few years ago, there was a party and. I remember we had a party at the house and somebody was in charge of Jello shots and they went with a pretty good like high level vodka for the Jello shots. That was a good night. Yeah, that was a good night. So LSU does all of that, and one of the things we'll talk about today coming up in the crap bag, I'll give you some more numbers about SEC baseball and the world that the Longhorns are walking into here. Wow, LSU now with seven national titles. Longhorn fans, you already knew you were looking up at LSU. I mean, excuse me, at USC, and now you are looking up at LSU as well. And you're entering the SEC, trying to get to Omaha and win a College World Series. The path to a lot of things just got more challenging for Texas athletics and will get more challenging, 24, 25, and beyond. I don't know if it gets any harder than what they're looking at in baseball, Cameron. Honestly, I don't know if there's a bigger challenge than what LSU and the rest of this baseball conference are going to present Texas and OU. I think you could argue it's going to be as challenging as it will be for football. Might be. A, a lot of people, you know, when we talk about the SC scheduling, we got a lot of text during the like the Tower Show and the Specs text line asking, okay, what will it look like for the other sports, for baseball, basketball, volleyball? Baseball is a big one because you just mentioned 
What was the stat you told me yesterday that the last College World Series champions, how many of those were from the SEC? Was it the 14? Or my, yesterday, what I yesterday was it was fifteen of the last eighteen. There's been at least one team in the championship man. round. Fourteen of the last fifteen, and they just won their fourth in a row. The conference did. SEC baseball, like football, is kind of dominating the sport right now, and yeah. now Texas is in the mix. So I think that's going to help recruiting a lot. You know, like we talked about with football, it's like, hey, if you come play at Texas or Oklahoma. You're going to be playing against the SEC types who are also recruiting you. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for baseball now, right? I mean, the Big 12 Baseball Conference was already a, a good conference. You could argue this year was a down year. It's never a down year for SEC baseball. Think about two years ago, Chad, Mississippi State won the College World Series. They haven't got back to Omaha at all. They haven't even sniffed it. Vanderbilt, same thing, right? They're having down years. Well, guess what? We have Florida, LSU, and Tennessee right there for you. Arkansas, down year. Eh, Next year, it might be flip-flop. Now you're adding Texas to the mix. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of fun road trips, too. But talk about being battle-tested going into Omaha. I mean, maybe there's something is to it, having a hard schedule, because it sure seemed like it does benefit these SEC schools. Yeah, and maybe in a wacky sport like baseball, that's exactly what you need. Be battle-tested when you go in. LSU clearly was that. Uh, We got uh, somebody texted in, when we do jello shots, we use Patron. That's a good idea. Do a high-level Patron. That's not a bad idea at all. Somebody's saying, wait, you're saying no more Director's Cups? No. No, no, I'm not saying no more Directors' Cups, but that is something I'd keep a look at. Uh, Texas just went first, first, and second in the Directors' Cup. Let's see where that number goes once Texas is into the SEC. There's a reason why Stanford keeps winning it. It's kind of based on their conference. Yeah, uh, this is what I heard earlier. Somebody says they think the Raising Cane's guy bought 6,000 shots, 5 bucks a clip, that's 30,000. So he bought 30,000 worth of the shots. So 6,000 shots. There you go, 6,000. But they, they took 64,000-plus down. He, you can't just say, well, they have a rich alum. Right, they do. But they're also that level of partier. Uh, that is crazy. Uh, Sedman says, Texas is not Mississippi State. It will be fine. We're going to a conference that wins an, a national title every year. Blind squirrel, Mississippi State, says one of our texters so lsu gets the win we'll be talking about that throughout the day again more some more of those sec numbers coming up in the crap bag it is wild in the world of baseball but obviously not just uh baseball right now so the other thing i wanted to throw out today coming up in the crap bag i will get you a little bit of a crap bag movie review and i've added a a movie to a list that i think all guys have but we're not always willing to admit we have them i want to hear from all of you today, Specs text line, 337-3776, your favorite non-manly movies. You'll admit, you'll watch them, you'll like them, you'll recommend them. What are your favorite non-manly movies? Now, I'm at the house with the ladies. I got estrogen everywhere. Got the wife, got the daughter. The dog is even female. Everything is female energy in my house. So I have to be open to these things. But I actually went and saw this movie by myself. Because my wife didn't want to go see it. Asked a buddy. He didn't want to go see it. So I went and added to the list of my favorite non-manly movies this week. I'll tell you about it in the crap bag. I want to know what are your favorite non-manly movies. As I say that, Cameron, does anything pop into your head? Is there any movie you'll admit that you like out loud that is non-manly? Does Sleepless in Seattle count? Absolutely. There we go. That's my number one. Good call. Sleepless in Seattle. Yes, absolutely. You got to do that. This could be a movie that you, you know, you went on a date. 
a date took you. You set it up as a date, and then you realize, oh, it's not bad. Yeah, I'd go. I'd I'd tell another buddy to go on a date and see that movie, and it wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. So, Sleepless in Seattle is a good example. Love Tom Hanks. As a Meg Ryan. That's a high level Meg Ryan too. Great movie, and you know, there's been a few tears maybe shed throughout that one. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, you'll even admit so the emotion. Th- yeah, I think like it's for me. I think of non manly. I think of rom com, but. I mean, what's the like? You got to be crying while you watch this movie, or just no, no, one no, that no. you just, just non manly? Okay. No, no, just non manly. Here's a great example: Mean Girls, perfect example. That's a non manly movie. Never seen it. Mean Girls? Oh, you'd like Mean Girls. Okay, you. I think you would like Mean Girls. That may be right up your alley. A little Regina George. I mean, you get Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, a couple other really good looking ladies. Ah, it's fantastic. All right, so we'll get into that. Your favorite non-manly movies. Let us know what's on your list. Also up next, let's get into some NFL discussions. One of my favorite NFL nerds threw out a great list about the best skill position groups in the NFL. This takes out the element of quarterback, which really makes it a fascinating list. We'll tell you where the Cowboys fall next on the Horn. Yo, man, there's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, scared to kick reality. All right, getting started on a Tuesday. Do I have any shot at this? Probably not. Probably not. Famous group, famous artist. What are we doing? Mm, neither. We're gonna we're gonna go for a theme on this Tuesday. Oh, okay. Just see if you can kind of. All right, you're going with the theme that I have to figure out. What is this? Ball don't lie. Yeah. But we're doing Literally. like making me think. Yep. All right. Sorry, Chad. All right. Fair enough. All right. What are we starting with? Who is it? This is a producer out of. Uh, well, actually, if I tell you the area, you probably get the theme pretty quickly. <laughs> okay. So don't um, tell me that. Little Elp. In the song is Get the Gat. Little Elp, E-L-P? E-L-T. E-L-T, Little Elt. And uh, this song became popular 2018 after a certain team won a certain national championship. Went viral on TikTok. Again, if I tell you the team. Yeah, I was going to say, Let me. Let, here's my first guess. Are you doing, like, songs related to New Orleans because LSU just won the title? Mm, I mean, it's, I only got through one song. You already guessed the theme, Chad. Yeah, we go. Some New Orleans action today. Nothing wrong with that. Little Elt starting our New Orleans vibe. Yeah, they they deserve all the credit. Man, uh, to the victor go the spoils. LSU. And to the victor goes the jello shots, apparently. Over 64,000. All right, we'll get into this NFL discussion. Before we do, just a quick, extremely serious story that's apparently out there in sports. I've just seen this. I haven't read through all the details. But apparently... Thoughts, prayers, and everything else goes out to NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson and his family today. Oh, man. Apparently, Jimmy Johnson's in-laws and his nephew are all dead, and they are investigating as a murder-suicide. Oh, man. I just read this story. TMZ is reporting. uh, Wow. Just a horrific 
horrific story from the world of NASCAR and one of their greats, maybe the greatest ever, seven-time champion, I believe, Jimmy mm-hmm. Johnson, one of the uh, the true gentlemen of their sport and one of the big dogs in their sport going through something like that today. We wish him and his family nothing but the best. That is un- unbelievable stuff. All right, so Chad and Cameron with you today. Again, Isaiah Collier on that honeymoon. Hope they're doing well in Cancun. We are asking you for your favorite non-manly movies, and you have really stepped up. Fellas, I knew you could get in touch with your feminine side and admit that you like some non-manly movies. Uh, Here's one that says Legally Blonde. Yep, that's one. Love Actually. Not ashamed about it. If you've never seen Love Actually over the holidays, great Christmas movie. Sleepless in Seattle, which Cameron mentioned, that's getting more love. The Notebook is getting love today. Mr. Gosling and Rachel McAdams. Pretty in Pink. I've never seen Pretty in Pink. My wife, gets, my wife gets on me all the time. I've seen a lot of those standard 80s movies. I've never seen Pretty in Pink. I need to do it at some point. Beaches. Oh, Beaches is one of my wife's favorites. Oh, that's one. If Beaches doesn't make you get a little bit emotional, you may be a robot. Bette Midler and what's her name? Barbara Hershey. Come on. Is that the one where uh, if your wife's on the couch crying, do you go over next to her and put your arm around her, you know, like that episode from Seinfeld? Or are you more... Are you more like Jerry, where you refuse to console and comfort your wife. What's what's your move there, Chad Hastings? No, no, I mean, we've known each other long enough now that if I see her crying, usually we'll, it'll be a smile through the cry where I'll say, <laughs> oh, you threw it on, huh? You had to do it. And she'll like kind of give me the smile and cry at the same time. Beaches, Steel Magnolias is another one of those for us. Almost Famous gets mentioned. White Chicks, that's funny. You've Got Mail, Bridesmaids has been mentioned a couple times. Here's a great question, though, from a sports fan. Does a league of their own count as a non-manly movie? Hmm. Cameron, I'm going to say yes. Okay. It's about an all-women's baseball league. It's a great movie, by the way. Probably my third favorite baseball movie ever made. Oh, okay. I'm a major league guy at the top. Yep. I go Bull Durham next. I think a league of their own might be my third favorite baseball movie. I love that movie. Penny Marshall directs it. Tom Hanks is brilliant. And the, the cast is incredible. So I'm going to say that's a non-manly. You can, get, you can get credit for that as a non-manly movie. I'll let you have a league of their own. Even though they're playing, uh, even though they're playing sports? It's a sport. But see, that, see by, by saying that, by even asking this question, what we're saying, see, we're being pre-programmed, that sports are all about guys. That's not true. It's not true. It's true. It's, this is about ma- this is manliness. It's, this is about a movie that we all understand what a manly movie. You can feel it when you see the, the, the trailer, whether the movie is designed to appeal to the manly side of you or the female side of you. And a movie like A League of Their Own, I think it's designed to hit more levels okay. than just that. And then one of them is the sports level, obviously. So if you want to add to the list, Specs text line 337-3776. What is your favorite non-manly movie? Speaking of favorite things, one of my favorites uh, over at ESPN is Bill Barnwell. Back in the day, uh, we used to have Bill Barnwell on as a guest before he became the big dog that he is now. And we've had him on a little bit once he's become the big dog, but as you can imagine, he becomes a very big, very busy man. But I've loved talking to him over the years, and he's such a great nerd. He breaks things down and gets into all these crazy rabbit holes and stuff. So if you really want a good nerdy article to kind of get you ready for the NFL, go check out what he did with this. Basically, he's calling it the best Wide receiver, tight end, running back rankings in 2023. He's done this the last few years, and it takes out the quarterback discussion. 
which we'll we'll bring it back in here in just a second. So it's kind of fascinating as you as you look at these. It tells you how important quarterbacks can really be when you grade it out the way he does. This is about production from the last couple of years and production expected in 2023. So just to give you a sense of where this goes, number 32 on his list is Houston. Ooh. Yeah, 32. Now, the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, you'd think, oh, my God, the Jets must be up pretty high. Not really. 22 for the Jets. Break it down and think about that. You, you do have Garrett Wilson, but then when you think about beyond that, how much badass receiver, tight end, and running back do they really have? He breaks that down a little bit. Here's another interesting one, Cameron. How about Buffalo and Kansas City at 20 and 19? Again, take the quarterback. champion Right, Chiefs. take the quarterback out of it. And we'll tell you where the Eagles are here in a second. But the number 19 team on his list just won the Super Bowl. But when you look it up, I pulled this up earlier, the depth chart for the Chiefs. Here's their starting receivers according to this depth chart. Valdez Scantling, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore. Not great. We know who their best receiver is. That's their tight end. Obviously. And you might tell me that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And I think that's a fair argument. But it's about those other guys. Think about the running back position. Pacheco obviously gave them something last year, but the other guys are McKinnon, Edwards, Alaire. So the big names aren't really there. And the more I keep thinking, Cameron, about the two biggest guys free agency out there, Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins, I think DeAndre Hopkins would be perfect in Kansas City. I, I figured it would be OBJ to one of those two teams. But now it sounds like Hopkins is probably going to be one of those guys, considering Arizona kind of wants to tank this year for Caleb Williams. Barnwell mentions Justin Ross as possibly the number one guy for the Chiefs. I'd be a little bit scared as a Chiefs fan because remember Justin Ross, you know, he was that incredible freshman wideout at Clemson, mm-hmm. had injuries, kind of bounced around the league. Like, if you're hopeful that he'll make an impact, I mean, if he's healthy, then sure, but he's a guy that hasn't been healthy. And it makes their championship last year, I think, even more incredible because look at the receiver core. I mean, they were relying on Juju Smith-Schuster as their best receiver for large pockets during their Super Bowl run. Yep. Not a very, not a great no. core. And I think 20 is a great ranking. And for the Bills, I mean, I think their running back group is just awful. Devin Singletary, I mean, how many times have you had him in fantasy chat? And you're like, you know what? Oh, uh-huh. Bills against the Jacks this week. I love it. 1.5 points. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and that's the thing. This is all about receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Got to put it all together. Buffalo and Kansas City, that tells you how important the quarterback is. So I'll give you the comparison now. Kansas City at 19, they beat the number three team on this list. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are at three. We'll get to them in a second, but that's what that's how good Patrick Mahomes is, according to these Bill Barnwell type of numbers. All right, so as we get to the top 10 on this list, I think there's some interesting conversations to have. First off, I'm going to make sure to get this number to Isaiah Collier once he gets back from vacation. Atlanta is 10 on this list. Again, quarterbacks out of it. Get this stat. The Falcons will roll out a top 10 pick, if everybody's healthy, at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. No team since the merger in 1970 has had a top 10 homegrown player at those three positions at the same time. Wow. He says a few have done it with imported players. The only one since 2010 is the 14 Lions who had Reggie Bush, Calvin Johnson, and Eric Ebron. So, again, 
No team since the merger in 70 has had three, has had a top 10 homegrown player, somebody they drafted at the three positions at the same time. So that's what Atlanta is going to have. I found that interesting. Uh, number and n- wait till Arthur Smith finds out he does have Kyle Pitts on that team. Yes. I'm oh. still not sure he knows Kyle Pitts plays football for the Atlanta Falcons yet. <laughs> Hopefully they can figure that out. Number nine, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Factoring in the Calvin Ridley, what's that, what's that going to look like coming back? Miami sits at eight. Tons of talent there. And the discussion for Dalvin Cook goes right to Miami, apparently. That's the team really looking at Dalvin. So, And apparently the team he's really looking for. And then, Cameron, we come to number seven, the Dallas football Cowboys sitting at seven in this ranking. They were 11 last year. They are up to seven now. The production of C.D. Lamb last year. We know uh, what you know what what they ultimately got uh, at tight end with Schultz. But then, you know, considering what you lose at running back, what you lose at tight end, and then there's still discussion of are they going to grab Ezekiel Elliott back? Are the Cowboys going to be the team to do that? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Now, the Cowboys lost. Who? Let me make sure I'm double-checking this. The Cowboys lose Dalton Schultz, right, to yep. the Texans? He's gone. So he is not there. Um, and then, of course, at the running back position, how much can you count on Ronald Jones and Deuce Vaughn? Tony Pollard, great year. Coming off Put, the ACL, though. That's some num- Right, he's had some numbers, but... Yeah, recovering from that injury, that fractured fibula suffered in the postseason. Oh, I'd forgotten that's what it was. I, I, I still, sure. yeah, fibula, not uh, ACL. I still wish Dallas would have drafted a little bit higher running back. I love Deuce Fawn, but I would have loved to have taken Roshan in that third third round pick. Brandon Cooks, by the way, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of associated Brandon Cooks with not playing, but as Bill Barnwell mentions, you know, a lot of that last year was just his frustration with the front office, not because he wasn't healthy. I mean, he's put up over a thousand yard seasons, Chad, six times in his career. He's a guy. He's had over a hundred targets also in six seasons. Mm-hmm. So with him, last year Dallas just didn't have. It felt like, hey, Ceedee Lamb number one is he number two? It felt like Kellen Moore could never figure out that equation. I'm not sure what Lamb will be as he, you know, continues in his development as a wide receiver, but. At least Dallas for sure has a number one and number two wideouts with C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. But I was a little bit surprised at this ranking, Chad. You thought it was a little high? Yeah. Higher than you thought it would be? Yeah. Yeah, I did it too. Uh, the, I was thinking like 12, yeah, that's 15. Some, that's some Brandon Cooks love there uh, that they gave him. I wasn't expecting that. To lose Schultz and gain um, gain him, Cooks, I didn't think that, the, that it was going to go that high either. Uh, so then the rest of the top ten, so you can go check this article out. The Vikings coming in at six, obviously Jefferson and the crew there, and that's minus Dalvin Cook coming in. The Chargers at five, we know they've got talent, receivers and tight ends, yep. and they got all kinds of talent there. Seattle was interesting to me at four. The fact that they're they're putting Seattle all the way in there at four, uh, not only with what they have with DK Metcalf, but you're reminded about Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba. What does that dude look like as a pro? The stories are all out there, and we all know. If you know college football, you remember Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best of those three receivers. Mm-hmm. They sat them all down, and they said, who's the best? And all of them said Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he might have been nice and said with the other. The other two guys pointed to him. Garrett pointed to him. 
and who am I thinking of? Uh, Alave pointed to him. So that's an interesting group to mention there uh, with Seattle at four. Your defending NFC champs, Philly, with everything they've got, are at three. Joe Burrow's crew at two. Interesting if you're a Buffalo or Kansas City fan to consider that, Mm -hmm. that they're ranking them that far above everybody. Kansas City, or excuse me, Cincinnati at two. And then number one, the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, they've got some stupid numbers on Christian McCaffrey, Cameron, that I wanted to throw out here just because they're so video game-ish. They're fantasy football-ish, if you will. This says McCaffrey averaged just under two yards per route run with a 26.6 target rate after joining the Niners, which is right about what Garrett Wilson (laughs) did over the same time frame for the Jets. And McCaffrey threw in 159 carries for 746 as a bonus. Uh, And then he also throws in a great little Mina Kimes tweet about the San Francisco offense pre and post CMC with four different metrics that they follow in DVOA. Uh, which is a technically a defensive stat, but it is an adjusted value stat uh, in football in terms of your productivity based on your opponents. So the DVOA went from 21st to 1st with CMC. The EPA per play, which is they define that as the expected points added per play, that went from 19th to 1st. QBR went from 26th to 2nd. And the yards per attempt went from 10th to 2nd with CMC. The Niners get the love here for the best overall receiver, tight end, and uh, running back group in the NFL. CMC, obviously, a big reason. And I'm curious, you know, what happens if Brock Purdy stays healthy against Philadelphia? I still think Philly has a better roster than Mm -hmm. San Fran, and it's basically because of the quarterback position. I have a lot more trust in Jalen Hurts than I do Brock Purdy. And I'm curious, you know, because they signed Sam Darnold. You have Trey Lance returning from his ACL injury. Where does he factor into their San Francisco roster? But their playmakers, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, whatever his full fullback tied in, he, he's a playmaker. Yep. He's a playmaker you can trust on. You mentioned CMC. How about Brandon Ayuk? I mean, he's also a guy, he's not your Debo Samuel type. But he is just a good receiver, over 1,000 yards this past season. They have a loaded roster, but it's fascinating looking at this article and seeing how these teams built around their quarterbacks because you could argue that Philadelphia and San Francisco are where they're at and how they contend every year because they put playmakers around their quarterbacks. But you have Buffalo and Kansas City and KC. I know know he had Tyree Kill, but last year he didn't have Tyree Kill. If you were drafting receivers, the best receiving groups in the NFL – Kansas City is probably bottom ten. You're not taking you're not taking Juju Smith Schuster in who who's the number two guy? Uh Sly Size Stone. What's his name? <laughs> Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No, it, and they and, they won the freaking Super Bowl. It speaks to how great they are when you consider Mahomes, Allen, and Rodgers on this list, 19, 20, and 22. Their skill guys are ranked there. But we all know if you rank quarterbacks in the NFL, you're not ranking those guys 19, no. 20, and no. 22. We know that. So, yeah, it's a fascinating way to look at things. Barnwell does a great job of breaking stuff down. So go check it out. It's ESPN. you got to get behind that ESPN Plus wall. Uh, so if you have that or know somebody that will throw you a password, go check it out because it is really interesting uh, all the way from 32 with Houston all the way down to number one with the San Francisco 49ers. Cowboys fans, you are sitting at number seven on that skill 
list. All right, coming up at 105, we'll dig back into recruiting with Hank South of Horns247.com. Longhorns having a couple big weeks in a row here with big official visit weekends. We'll see what Hank thinks of that. Plus the Simmons discussion for Texas, the big rush end out of Duncanville. Colin Smith and the chances the Longhorns have. Would Hank call him a Texas lean right now? Does he think it's a coin flip? We'll get into all of that. Up next, though, in the crap bag, SEC baseball. Those numbers are piling up. And I'll get you a crap bag movie review. Which movie is now on my favorite non-manly movie list? I'll tell you next on The Horn. Get you pumped up, ready to go. Get you a fighting montage going. All right, so you're doing New Orleans themed stuff. Is this band from New Orleans? No, it has Tiger in the song name. Oh, Tiger Eye of the Tiger. All right, I see what you're doing. Okay, so this is like just an overall LSU feel. Kind of, basically. Okay. By the way, we have an LSU fan requesting Neck for at some point in the show. Okay. Can we find a good instrumental version of Neck without the can. words being screamed in the background? You don't want to do it ourselves with us screaming the lyrics? Uh, I don't know if I could scream the edited version okay. of those lyrics. That is one you of my. So you're saying you don't want to get fined? Okay. It's one of my favorite college football traditions. Right there with. When I found out about it, researched it a little bit, and realized what it was, it's one of the, it's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. It's so good and it fits LSU perfectly. Ah, it's wonderful stuff. It's just awesome. Uh, Congrats to those LSU Tigers. A little more on that SEC baseball dominance coming up. Survivor and Lil Elt getting us started today. Cameron's on a New Orleans slash LSU slash, you know, Tigers kind of vibe in honor of the national champs. Hank South coming up from Horns247.com to talk some recruiting. Uh, I also want to get his thoughts uh, and we'll get in, in the flex segment at 1.30. We'll take a closer look at the 7-on-7 seven seven and what Round Rock just pulled off. I want to know if the recruiting world is going to pay attention to that story based on Mason Cochran and his receivers. Because mm-hmm. Round Rock is not known as a throw-it-all-over offense. But, Cameron, I cannot get it out of my mind that they just went and won 7-on-7. Seven seven. Now, I get one of the games was 7-6. to six. Let me be clear about this. Their defense is badass. Leonard Moore is a beast, and that defense is awesome. I get it. But you can't go win seven on seven if your quarterback and your receivers are bad or are like game managers. Can you? You can't go win seven on seven if your quarterback just shows up to be careful. and that That's not going to work. So to me, if Mason Cochran and his guys just went and did that, I just wonder what the recruiting world thinks. Because Mason Cochran, right now, his two offers – are Austin P and Navy. Nothing against those two schools, but I think we all know what I just said. So where does this, you know, where does it sit? Somebody a couple years ago from Round Rock had told me about where their quarterbacks have kind of ended up. Hey, this guy got an offer from here. Hey, this guy got an offer from there. I was like, oh, okay, all right. And it was really cool that they got the offer, but they weren't big-time names. Will any sort of big-time schools pay attention to that? So I'm going to ask uh, Hank what he thinks and, and if that's on his radar at all. He said on the show last Wednesday, the Flex ATX show, where he came in live studio, uh, Zach and Nolan asked him, you know, where do you 
where do you want to play the next level? And he said, anyone that takes me. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. I just want to play ball. And so I think as a coach, you like that mentality, right? Where it's, yeah. you know, you're not worried about, well, if I go here, I don't know if I'm going to play. No, he, he just wants to go and play ball and he'll, he'll work his butt off for it. And that's what we've seen over the summer. And I think it's going to translate to some on-field success for Round Rock this next season because we talked about Deuce Adams a lot, the transfer to uh, Fan. I can't. Is it transfer? Is that technically allowed to, to say Vandergrift? that? To Yeah, I think. So. I mean, yeah, technically, yeah. technically, yeah, to uh, Vandergrift. But I think Round Rock's the number two school in that district, and I think a lot of it is because of Mason Cochran's leadership and yeah. his development over the last few years. Yeah, we're gonna be following that story, so we'll get into some of that in next hour. Right now, though, in the crab bag, let's go ahead and talk about SEC baseball, Longhorn fans. It is quite a dungeon you're about to enter. Chad's crab bag. Crab bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just. Think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. So LSU gets the title. They now have seven. We pointed that out earlier. USC, most all-time with 12. Now LSU has seven. So they've got seven. The SEC as a conference has 15 now. There are teams that have split another eight championships. Vandy and South Carolina have two. Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, and Old Mi- Mississippi State and Ole Miss each have one. So that's the world the Longhorns are entering. The SEC just won their fourth championship in a row, four in a row in the College World Series. Six years in a row, they've had one team in the championship series. Six in a row, and as we pointed out yesterday, 15 out of the last 18 and 14 out of the last 15. There's at least one team in that championship series. By the way, same 15-year period. You know how many times the Big 12 has had one team in the championship series? Twice. (laughs) Two times. Texas once, Oklahoma once. That's it. Last 15 years. So, the other number for you, since 2000, the SEC now has... 10 College World Series championships. The Big 12 has two. The ACC has two. Non-Power 5 conferences have four. You know, the Rice, Coastal. And the Pac-12 has five. So, SEC has twice as many as the Pac-12 does during that same time period since 2000. It's 10 national championships so we've talked about this Cameron we hit a little bit yesterday but I think it's just extra important to kind of get that perspective for Texas baseball fans not that they're scared going to the SEC they're asking for this they're doing exactly what the Aggies did years and years ago but they're doing it with more history they're doing it with more of a brand they're doing it with I heard Ty Henderson say this on B&E today and I started to disagree with him but he's probably right even with all that's there they still might be the biggest brand in the SEC in two years. Even with all of that, even with Bama and Georgia, and the, they may be the biggest brand out there because we all know the revenue numbers, what they've said over the years and, and all that stuff. But the, we'll, let's just, we'll, we'll be paying attention to different, different metrics to see. The Director's Cup, I think, is an interesting one because Texas has been way up there in terms of the full uh, athletic program. But in terms of baseball, what does it look like during the season? How do you, you know, in terms of putting together that SEC schedule, what's that going to look like? SEC tournament and what that determines. And then like you were talking about earlier, Cameron, even when a couple of SEC teams will be down a little bit, a couple others jump up. But now I would argue there are two 
that can't be down. And they are the guys that just won it last night and Texas. That's it. I think every other baseball team in the SEC is allowed a cough, a hiccup, a slip, an oops. Not those two. LSU's not allowed that. They've been, they haven't been allowed that for years. And Texas fans know. that They start every year with Omaha floor. No Texas fan starts it with, well, you know. Now, I know this year, once we saw it start to develop, a Texas fan would tell you, lots of them did. You were one of them that told me, it kind of feels like maybe Super Regional might be the cap for this team. But no season starts that way for a Texas fan. So just a, a little perspective there. If I was a Texas fan of, of kind of where, where you need to be focused now, this is a nasty, nasty conference you're entering. You already knew that. You've already dealt with some of these teams. But now, Cameron, when that, when that conference season starts, every single weekend. It's now you know, with the big boys, swimming with the big sharks. Yeah. And you talk about the expectations for Texas this year. I mean, going into every year, it's got to be Omaha. That's the bar that's been set by the tradition of this Texas baseball program. Absolutely. Even in the SEC, it's still Omaha. And CDC knows that. And David Pierce knows that. Now, of course, it was super regional because that was the roster that I think was constructed. That, that was why I said the ceiling is probably a super regional based on what Pierce put together. But that's not going to be good enough in the SEC, Chad. It's got to be, and this is where I think Pierce has got to follow what Jay Johnson's done at LSU and just hit the portal hard and find guys. He's got three pitchers so far from the portal. Chase Burns from Tennessee, he's in the portal. I would, I've already called him an hour ago, Chad, and been calling the funds, whatever yeah. you can do, and say, hey, what can we line up for this kid who throws 101 miles per hour? Yeah, I just I thought of Texas as well when I saw that, that Burns was uh, was going into the transfer portal. It's a great point. Also, think about this, other sports to consider what they just did in baseball with the transfer portal. I saw Kim Mulkey there last night, what she did with the transfer yeah. portal and women's hoops to get that title. And Vic Schaefer and the Longhorn fans a couple years ago thought they were getting rid of her. They thought that they thought their Kim Mulkey problem was behind nope. them. They, but but that's because nobody thought Kim Mulkey could get dragged out of Waco. They got nobody was going to get her out of Waco, but they did, and now she's done that this quickly at LSU. Uh, and then obviously we know they put the football thing together with Burrow one time. Now can Brian Kelly get it back to that level and make it a consistent level? Because if you do that in football, whew. It is rough business for everybody else trying to deal with all these different Tigers. So in terms of athletic programs that are holding the SEC, it sounds like the one that you're most afraid of is LSU, the one that Texas fans should be most concerned about all in all for every sport. It's LSU. I mean, I think obviously we know football rules everything, so ultimately you're all, everybody's shooting for Bama and Georgia. I think LSU is one of the things on the way to that mm-hmm. for Texas. Like I said the other day in recruiting, I think it's about beat. Texas A&M and Oklahoma in big recruiting battles, but then the next step up is do that with LSU, and I think that's what gets you to Bama, Georgia. So I think it's kind of a tiered process there. LSU is one of those things, though. Got to be paying attention to them and and what they're what they're pulling off here. And the ba- the again the baseball stuff is is so impressive. Congrats to LSU for last night. Uh, real quick, your movie review. I've added a movie to the non-manly movie list. I wanted my wife to go with me. She didn't want to go. Let's hear it. My wife's a little has become a little stubborn when it comes to new movies and new stuff. She doesn't if it's her idea, it's one thing. If it's your idea, eh, sometimes she doesn't want to. So she's like, I don't know if I want to get up. And I need to get up kind of early to go see it. No hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. 
I decided to go check it out. It was good. Had enough heart for me, but also had enough dirty for me. Here's all I'm going to say. You get a, now it's brief, but you get a full frontal nude shot of Jennifer Lawrence. And the scene ends up being funny. That's all I'm going to say to you. But I thought it had enough heart. I thought it had a good enough story. Matthew Broderick is the dad. This is the one where the parents are offering some, they're offering up a car for a girl to date their 19-year-old son. He's awkward. He's socially inept. He's a nerd. He's about to go off to college, and they want her to, like, bring him out of his shell. And in exchange, they give her a car, a Buick. And that's the story. And I thought Jennifer Lawrence was great. The trailers, it looked like it could be funny, but it also looked like it was going to be uh, maybe maybe a little cringe. But you're saying you're, you're all the way in? Yeah, it was it was good, and I agree with you. The, the trailers had a little bit where you didn't know. Like, I don't like it to be too slapsticky and silly and crazy, but then I don't want it to be too much of a tear-jerk attempt. I don't want that it to be. I thought it was a good blend of all that. Had enough heart. Now, I'm also a girl dad, and I'm also the parent of a high school you know, age kid, and I'm in a couple of years, I'm going to have to think about sending my kid off to college and stuff like that. So maybe there were a little bit of those emotions, but it's also dirty enough. I think it'll hold the attention of most guys. Jennifer Lawrence is great. So I would recommend it. I saw a grade of what I see 66% Rotten Tomatoes, take that for what it's worth, 91% Google, and then 3.8 out of five stars on another rating. IMDb has it 6.8 out of 10, which is pretty good for a comedy film. Is that good? Comedies don't really get. Okay. Get high ratings. Yeah, I would recommend it. I thought it was good. You'll know a couple other actors. Uh, there's a couple other actors in there. I, I believe if you are an Ozark fan, you'll see a wild casting that you wouldn't have expected uh, in this movie that ends up being pretty funny. So uh, there is my movie review for the day. We're asking you for your favorite non-manly movies. And by the way, to the texter who sent in Emmanuel Does Bangkok. Okay, that is not what I'm talking about. How dare you? How dare you? Well played, but how dare you? Princess Bride, perfect example. Perfect example of a non-manly movie that I know a lot of guys will admit they like. So I'm adding no hard feelings to the list. You tell me what's on your list. Up next, we'll dig back into the recruiting with Hank South of Horns247.com. What's next for the Longhorns? And what does he think of these two running backs Texas just got the commitments from? We will find out on the Horn.